In this true crime law and order podcast, the episodes are presented by two separate yet equally ridiculous individuals, one who researches the actual crime and the other who recaps the episode. These are their stories. It's the holiday season. Do you hate it? Oh, my God. Well, I love it. I mean, it. yes and no. <laughs> well, I know you're very happy because you get to listen to, to Christmas music, which I hate, and I am subjected to it if I go out in public. I don't know how I got away with still liking it. You know, usually when you work in retail and food oh, service, as long boy. as I have, where you listen to the same loop of yeah. music daily until you slowly descend into madness and start eating your own hair. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Something about the Christmas mood. It's like, maybe it was my escape from those days from the madness I was living in. And just like, maybe. Maybe it was, I don't know. I just love Christmas time. I I don't like 99% of Christmas music, but I will say there are a few that I do enjoy. There is a version of the first Noel sung by, um, oh shit, what's her name? Um, she's, she's a kind of a, a country folk-ish singer. Casey um, Musgraves? No. No, no, no. Older, beautiful silver gray hair. Oh, um, um, Tammy Wynette? No. Crystal Gale? Uh, no. <laughs> she was in a group with Linda Ronstadt and, um... Dolly Parton. Oh, wow. Emmy Lou Harris. Oh, Emmy Lou Harris. Okay. Yes. So her version of the first Noel, I think is really beautiful. And part of it is just, I, I'm a sucker for any song with a really good harmony. Mm-hmm. And I'm pr- 99% sure that the version of the first Noel on her Christmas album is her and Emmy and uh, Linda Ronstadt and P- Dolly Parton all singing <sighs> together. That just sounds like a gay man's dream. It's great. Everybody go listen to it right now. <laughs> I'm into it. But yes, I was in public for in in oh, I was in a Starbucks on my way back to Santa Barbara from the Bay Area and had to listen to fucking Bing Crosby. Who that's that's the epitome of garbage shit Christmas music to me. I cannot stand those like type Christmas music. It just makes me want to rip my eyes. You don't want to feel like you're watching the Lawrence Welk show. And absolutely not. I would rather uh, die. Oh man. It depends. <sighs> depends on the, the vibe, but I like a good, uh, a good classic Norman Rockwell <laughs> vibe every uh-huh. once in a while. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's not for me. Not for me, but I do enjoy having a little vacation time, so I'm excited about that toward the end of the year. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's always nice. Um, are you thrilled? Are you happy to be in the holiday mood? I am. I'm just, we've just had a lot of obstacles since moving, and Ugh. fall, the sort of beautiful fall energy and all the uh, landscapes around here got me through fall. And mm-hmm. damn it, the holiday spirits are going to get me through winter if it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> I um, how are all the all the things going in New Jersey? I know uh, Davy Davy finally got his New Jersey license, uh, we which are is done. a beautiful joy to you. We are done with the DMV. Oh my <sighs> gosh, I understand that DMV workers out there are stressed with all of the new regulations and being appointment only and all this and being understaffed and 
dealing with people at their absolute worst. I get it. But, oh, yeah. I'm so relieved to be done with that damn DMV. We have done all the I car stuff, all the license stuff until Davey gets a car, and we're just done, done. Because I don't – there was one time we watched the DMV, and we were literally treated like we were, like, criminal spies sneaking in that they were, like, letting in on a favor. It was so ridiculous. Well, so, uh, I've, I've been at the, well, I went to the DMV right before the pandemic and it wasn't, I think it was around the time when like the real ID got introduced. And uh, yeah. so it, it was busier than usual at the DMV, but I literally saw a DMV worker man just scream at an old man who all he did was ask, is this the right line to be in? And he literally got yelled at. And I, and I'm not being hyperbolic. Like it was really unwarranted. And so I just, I, it's not my favorite place in the world to be. Nobody wants to be there. Clearly the employees don't. So why would anyone else want to be there? And I don't understand. Well, and why it seems like the DM, the DMV feels like an artifact of our society. Like it's so like, why is nothing fast or online or efficient or uh, it it just literally feels like everything gets sent through pneumatic tubes and there's like little (laughs) goblins underground who are calculating everything. Like it's just really old and archaic. It feels like, you know, Every time I go to the DMV, I feel like I'm in a time warp. And this goes for yes. every DMV I've ever been in. Even the oh, one yeah. in our town that's been remodeled like six years ago and looks very, um, for a DMV, like nice from the outside. It almost looks like a truck mm-hmm. stop, like fancy truck stop. Um, <laughs> and then you get in. It looks it's, nice. Like it's like truck a fancy stop. truck, truck stop. It's like a waffle, ha- waffle house. No. Um, okay. It's just, it's a time warp. And it reminds me of yeah. the Scientology uh the Church of Scientology on State Street. Oh yeah, that I've never been in there because, as you could tell, I'm st- I, I still have a dime to my name and I'm not um, a suppressive person. But nobody is putting uh, <laughs> snakes in your mailbox. Not yet, allegedly. But... <laughs> that place was like a time warp too. You looked in there and there was like a VHS playing in the window. Yes, the carpet was that like terrible green that every church and um, waiting room had as carpet for a while. Oh, God. You mean like Mary Cosby's living room? Co- yes. Yes. Are you current on uh, on? Oh, Salt you better Lake? believe it. I think so. There was none <sighs> this week, right? No, sadly. Okay, yeah. Then we're current. Mary's the, a whole other level. She is... I just... <sighs> she's she, next I would have a hard time being around her. <laughs> nuts. Oh, yeah. I mean, I enjoy watching her on the show, though. But she is... Yeah. On another level. She just, why did you even go on the trip? Why did you even go on the trip? Just to get camera time? Oh, I don't know. Just to be an asshole to, uh, what's her face? Whitney. The Whitney. <laughs> For yeah. no reason. No reason whatsoever. Um, listeners, if any of you work at the DMV, we still love you. <laughs> yes. Yes. No offense. I, I, like I was saying at the very beginning, I understand you're dealing with a, a slice of humanity at their most irritated and on edge. Yes. And you have a lot yes. of rules and regulations and laws you have to follow that you don't like having to give bad news to so many people a day. I get it. Yeah. But let me tell you, we are struggling on the other side too. <laughs> yeah. I'm sick for of sure. the abuse. <laughs> I just I just wish it was more efficient. That's the thing. Like just more efficient. Anyway. Um <laughs> now that we've talked about the DMV, gotten through some, you know, burning hot topics mm-hmm. here. What do you what do you got for me this week? 
I got two things. One is uh, just a recommendation, and then the other thing is a little bit more serious, and I just wanted to get word out there about something. Okay. Um, first, I'll do the recommendation. I was listening to – so now I'm all caught up on Sinisterhood. I can't believe it. Mm. And I, I'm going back to my roots and getting caught up on my favorite murder. Okay. Which I've been avoiding listening to because I'm so far behind. <laughs> Every time yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, I don't want to start from a year ago. But I'm getting there. And one of the episodes, they covered the Elon School. Uh, that I don't know if you've heard of that. It's the school in Maine that was, I still think, functioning till like maybe a few years oh, ago. Oh, is that where kids would scream at each other? Yes, yes. Like put them in a circle and shame them? Exactly. Yeah, I do remember that story. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they mentioned a documentary called The Last Stop in that episode. So I looked uh-huh. it up. It's on Amazon Prime. Ooh, it is hard to watch because they have some actual audio from the school and those sessions. And you're talking to all kids, now adults, who went there and they're like Uh horror stories. And they have um, all the other video, I believe, is promotional video that was filmed um, during like news segments that came out about the school at the time because they were like under fire for like, oh, what, what are they doing there? So it's all, like, actual footage and no reenactment, and it's very chilling to watch that kind of stuff Mm. happening Mm -hmm. with such young kids. But I think it's really well done, and I I highly recommend it out there if anyone wants to hear about that kind of thing, because I'm sure there are many other schools that are doing this still. Well, and that's, like, um, that activity specifically of, like, screaming at people and breaking them down is... I th- I feel like I have heard about that in multiple like cult type things. Yeah, yeah. It's it's As like uh, a... it's I've, it's kind of like reminds me of the Sinner season three again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> from yeah, last true. Episode. Yeah. Um. Okay. What's your other thing? Okay. So this other thing, um, I just want to shine some light on something terrible that happened in my own backyard. Did it happen to to you? No, it happened to a friend of mine. So. Oh, okay. Uh, over here in, in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, you won't really see this, I think, on any sort of national news, but um, there's a GoFundMe I want to promote. Um, oh, okay. So a friend of mine, and I, I don't want to, you know, do that thing where we hear about someone that we know where something happens to them and you kind of, like, take ownership of it or try to make it about you. So yeah, yeah. Uh, when I say friend, I mean we worked together at Whole Foods and we were in different departments and we, like, had chit-chat. Every day. I wouldn't say sure. like he was a okay. very good friend, but a really sweet person. Yeah, you were who, acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in the queer community. And um, not long after Halloween, he was struck by a vehicle on the parkway. He was on the shoulder and killed. Um, oh, I'm was, so sorry. It's okay. It's, it, it's, you know, it's more some of my friends who really knew him very well that, yeah. that, I, that I'm friends with. And I was able to see this, you know when it happened on the news and such because I had no idea and yeah. it just was very shocking. He was only 29 years old. His name is Damien Dimka. Um, he was a nurse. He, he was a really, really sweet, kind person. And mm. he made an impact, I think, on most people that were around him. And mm-hmm. I I remember when I heard what happened, there was very little on the news about it. Like, who did this? What happened? What kind of incident was this? Now a lot of information is available. And off 
off-duty Newark, New Jersey police officer was the person who struck him. Ooh. And he had a friend in the car. And Ooh. allegedly, he'd been drinking a little bit. That's, that's still alleged. Yep. Okay. He hit him with the car, made no calls to the 911, made no emergency calls, kept driving and abandoned the body. They went back. <coughs> they went back later that night to pick up the body because they didn't know what oh. to do. And they brought it to his mom's house. And he told his mom that there was a body in the car. All of this before making any sort of emergency call. Oh, my God. I'm shocked. I'm disgusted. Um, So the three of them were all charged with – they're now facing charges. They're out on on bail or whatever while while everything is going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the family – of Damien, someone had started to GoFundMe on behalf of funeral expenses originally for him. Since all of this has happened, they've changed the goal of the GoFundMe for legal legal expenses so that justice can be served. Um, okay. And so we'll put it on our social media. Um, it'll probably, if if not before this episode comes out, um, by the time this episode comes out, we'll put it on our social media. I'll put it in the episode description to go to the GoFundMe. Um, if you're looking for it, you just search GoFundMe, Justice for Damien, that's spelled D-A-M-I-A-N. Um, his last name is D-Y-M-K-A, Dimka. So if you search for GoFundMe, Damien Dimka, if you don't see the link, uh, you'll find it. And they've already gotten a third of the way towards their goal. It's just important, I think, that stories like this get heard and yeah. that senseless death that happens you, it can't just be silenced because of who did yeah, it yeah. and who their family are because yeah. there's a lot of concerns about him being held responsible because he's a police officer and his father's a yeah. l- lieutenant. So just putting that out there, if this makes any sort of difference to any of you, please, if you have anything, you can um, just try to support the cause because, you know, I can't even begin to imagine what his fa- – I-, I knew him peripherally. I don't yeah. have any idea how anyone who's very close with him is handling this, um, especially yeah. with this terrible news that's come out more recently. I'm just in shock. I'm in shock. Yeah. Um, so with all the horrible things that are happening in the world, if you have it in you to do something good for the world, that would be something I would um, be so appreciative if you can at least spread the word on. If you can't donate, just share it on your social media. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Now, brighten it up for us. <laughs> okay, well, actually, this is a perfect segue into, like, nonsensical garbage. I have gotten Miles onto The Real Housewives, finally, officially. Yes. He, I asked him the other day, I was like, would you self-describe yourself as a fan of The Real Housewives? And he said yes. Oh, wow. So. I'm so proud. I know, it's been a journey. It's, I know, it's I, it's, it, I feel, I feel. <laughs> Let's go on This is journey. my, uh, my uh, accomplishment for the year. Well um, done. But I got him in through the Erica Jane and Jen Shaw legal controversies. Oh, yeah. And so now he's now he's watching he's watched Beverly Hills, New York, uh, Salt Lake City, Dallas, um, and we're watching Ultimate Girls Trip, of course. Uh, dream. Um, and the other thing is I watched the Jen Shaw Hulu documentary. Yes, so it was did fine. we. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the 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 Erica, Erica Jane. Jane. One. Yeah. I feel like it was Nothing. I didn't really learn anything new, but they 
definitely put a face to the folks who are victims of these type of schemes. And that was really sad to watch. I I did feel like that was impactful, the victims, because it just shows like how this really, you know, affects people's lives and ordinary people trying to just, you know, do innocent things to better their lives. Yeah. Um, And I loved seeing the girls from the Bravo docket on there because that is goals right there. That is goals. Yeah. That is a show (laughs) that started way after hours and I just found on a random minute. And they're they're very sweet. Every time I've ever messaged them, they always respond, whoever is responding to their Instagram. And I just think it's so great to see something start out and they were like oh yeah we don't know what we're doing with our website haha and it's beautiful um and Mm. you know they're they're being called as experts on a hulu documentary that's awesome now remind me are they lawyers yes they're both lawyers okay that's cool i like that well should we get into the episode oh yeah let's do it this was a fun one to cover (laughs) okay (laughs) all right Fun in a... Are you being sarcastic? (laughs) I guess so, yeah. I mean... Okay. We'll get there. I do have a content warning, so should I do that right now? Yes. Um, Does your crime... I'm just doing it for the episode because there was suicide in the Wait a second. Did you not do the crime? No, because I did a crime last time. But last time was the Patreon episode we had already written. I did not do the crime. Oh, no! Because I had already watched this in preparation for when we were going to originally do it and oh my wrote God. my notes like on Tuesday. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. We've we've done it, folks. We finally got to the point where we, we uh, both They're not going to hear any of this. <laughs> they have to. This has been gold up until now. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, so, okay. So, listeners, I'm not sure how much I'm going to keep in of our long conversation. We just had some shop talk. Um, but I'll leave this part in just to abridge it. Ed and I both <laughs> thought we were the recapper this week. <laughs> yep. Oops. <laughs> oops. But. Um, Matt, can you can you title this episode, Oops, All Recaps? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what it almost was going to be. So... This week you get a special bonus because as I'm recapping the episode, you're going to get like double the pleasure because we both watched with really discerning eyes this week. Yes. I will come back for the uh, true crime. So you will still get the true crime. You'll get it. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, this is uh, season three of Law and Order episode. uh, Is it actually episode 12? 12? Yeah. Yeah. It's called Right to Counsel. And the episode begins with a really delightful chat between two painters about to go into a client's space in the city. The really grimy one tells the hot one that if you ever meet my wife, you're going to cover for me when I cheat on her, basically. Literally. Oh, just charming. (laughs) And then they get to the apartment, and there's a bellman... Uh, who they ask to call the tenant whose house they're going to go paint, but she doesn't answer. So he takes them upstairs. They trudge around, and then they find the body of the tenant, whose name is Barbara Spiegelman. She's lying on the floor with a bloody wound on her back. Can I so can I just do a quick impersonation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, <clears throat> so they, they stumble upon her body, and one of the painters finds her, and his response, I'm going to try to capture the emotion of it, when he sees 
the dead body of a woman laying in a pool of her own blood, he goes, oh. <laughs> and then they cut to, <laughs> to Logan and Briscoe showing up. That's about right. It's as if he walked in on, like, a, a mess in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh. <laughs> oh. So the detectives are on the scene, and the apartment's being examined, and a cop gives Briscoe the knife that's found in the sink, and it's in an evidence bag. Wow. What do you think? This is a new, new high for them. I'm shocked. Wow. So Logan joins them in the kitchen, probably is like, hey, what are you doing with that bag? Just get your, uh, just get the nearest long <laughs> Just get utensil. your pen out. <laughs> get some salad tongs. <laughs> get a tattoo with the infinity sign. <laughs> so, um, so he joins them in the kitchen, and the kitchen has a very abusive floral wallpaper. Tr- uh-huh. Trigger warning, abusive floral w- yeah. wallpaper. Um, it was definitely an assault on my eyes the whole scene. He finds uh-huh. a bag in there with a receipt in it from that morning and has a timestamp on it. So they're like, oh, maybe it could have been a delivery boy or something. But, I mean, we all know it's not going to be a delivery boy. So no, the opening credits rolled and I had some time to kill. So I participated mm-hmm. in an episode of Wife Swap. And I Ooh. went to a house in Manhattan. It was really nice. Uh, I had a personal assistant. I had a Birkin bag. And uh, uh-huh. by the time I returned, the episode was just about to begin. So I just made it back. Well, so it's so funny that we both recapped this episode because I also had some spare time Ooh. during the title sequence. And um, I decided to alphabetize every card in a Cards Against Humanity deck. Oh, you! wow. Okay. Did you, mm-hmm, did you have mm-hmm. some time to spare at the end of that? I did, actually, yeah. I started to offer to do, like, more organization of things for, for folks who needed their Cards Against Humanity organized. <laughs> That's great, because I love mess. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back, and the detectives are at the deli where the receipt was from, and they talk to a really nice shop owner, um, and he says that Sam and Barbara a.k.a. the victim and her previously deceased husband. They were regulars, and she had been there that morning getting bagels and locks with no delivery boy. The way you said previously deceased sounds like he's no longer dead. <laughs> he's previously deceased. Now he is risen in undead uh, <laughs> wraith. <laughs> I have to say this scene was the, the best part of the whole episode because it just, uh, I love that kind of deli. Yeah, I have two things to say. Mm. One is, I'm pretty sure the deli was called the Sturgeon King. Okay. And number two, (sighs) Matt, since you're more of an expert with Law & Order, are there ever episodes in the main series or in SVU that veer into, like, paranormal territory? Or is it purely, like, based in the real world kind of stuff? I don't think there's any sort of X-Files edge. Um, Okay. To my knowledge, I would imagine if they ever do anything supernatural, it's more about, like, the mental health of the person saying mm. that they yeah, were yeah. abducted or, Seeing you know, that a monster. Or hearing yeah. voices. Yeah. Uh, Law and Order UFO. <laughs> oh, my God. I would die. Um, 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 please cast Demi Lovato as the lead immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so they can sing to the aliens. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. All right, so we learn from the... All we learn here is that the couple has a daughter named Carol, and she lives in the area. So they head over to her place, and she is in a chunky purple sweater 
with the like scoopiest <sighs> oversized neck that I've ever seen in my life. And yeah, it was, I, I it loved was good. it. <laughs> I loved it. So she and her husband, who is very unusual looking, um, they divulged that her mother had been sort of secretly seeing a man named Stephen Gregg, and he is a designer. So they go to visit him. This scene, we have Logan and Briscoe standing at this guy's desk, Stephen, who's sitting down in one of the most poorly, like, decorated sets I've ever seen on Law and Order. It looks like Mm -hmm. a blank lot with, like, a folding table and some shirts hanging on racks. And he's sitting in the lowest chair ever. So Briscoe (laughs) and Logan are, like, towering over him, looking down at him with their necks stretched all the way down. It's so weird. It's very strange. Oh, it's bizarre. And then Stephen, Stephen's hair is like a mix between, he's like a lead singer in a Journey cover band and like a 1970s sitcom dad. Or like he's on Taxi. Or like like a bird's nest that's 50% completed. (laughs) Also, I just have to say, in this scene, they ask him how old he is, and he says 38, and I immediately was like, that's a lie, your honor. I (laughs) looked it up, because there was no way this man was 38, and he was 45 at the time of filming. Objection. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, so they're standing at his desk, and he says that, you know, he was in love with her. She was the love of his life. There's nothing weird about the 30-year age gap. You know, he's, I guess, I guess that's why he has to say he's 38, because he's supposed to be like the, you know, hot young thing. Spring chicken, yeah. I'm not saying it, but. No. um, The whole time he has this very moany, saddish voice that's very annoying, and he's telling him how upset he is to hear this news. And that the relationship was genuine, and he last spoke to her at 10 a.m. on the phone. The records, though, in the next scene, show he did not make a call at 10 a.m. So they Mm. go through the victim's records instead, and Barbara had called someone at 8.13 a.m. So they go to visit this woman named Arlene, who's a big gossip. She's got a lot to say. Mm -hmm. She's, like, basically spilling all of Barbara and her ex-husband Sam's, like, relationship secrets. (laughs) Yes. Um, But she says that Barbara was very sweet and that she loved her her ex-husband Sam before he passed but he didn't let her do things and now with Steven she's happier she's more f- living a full life you know she goes to the museum yada da so the the night before they find out from Arlene Barbara's plans had been to have dinner with Steven with a buyer from Bloomingdale's this next scene was just oh. I mean this next scene could have been its own thing so, yes. So they go to visit with the buyer from Bloomingdale's. Her name is Karen, and it's you know another professional cold woman working in the fashion industry on Law and Order. Can I read you my description? Please do, because this whole okay. scene was just a lot. <laughs> so I say that they go down to track down this buyer named Karen Unger, and she is ready for her dance scene in Pat Benatar's <laughs> music video "Love Is a Battlefield." <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent. I wrote that she delivers all of her lines like she's a character in an off-Broadway performance of whatever, of, like, Chicago. Yes. Very a chorus line. (laughs) Like, everything she says is, like, a weird monologue that she's sort of dancing through. Like, (laughs) every word creeps out of the side of her mouth. And everything is just laced with this old-timey. She she was trying to get some attention in this scene. Oh, she was like, "This this is her moment. 
This is my moment. <laughs> it's like very Liza Minnelli. Also, I thought every movement. Oh yeah, was that's like, a good comparison. Boo, bee. She even like <laughs> dances around Logan and like spins around. It's bizarre. So, what we learn yeah. from her in her one and only scene. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> is that Steven was a talented guy in the fashion industry, but you know how the biz is these days, and not everybody makes it. Uh, and she says, You gotta admit, the guy's cute. And like dances around. <laughs> yeah. She pirouettes off screen. Mm-hmm. But she says she could never get his attention because he's very much in love with Barbara. And the only exception was last night at dinner. It was very tense. And when they got in the cab, she can hear them fighting from the curb. Hmm. Can we talk about that there's like six women who are attracted to this man in this episode? Yeah. And not to be rude. No. I don't see it. I don't see it <laughs> at all. At all. No. If you're trying to portray someone who is irresistible to every woman uh, from, like, 18 to 95. This guy ain't it. It's not. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Nothing to write home about. Nothing to shake a stick at. <laughs> he would not be starring in He's All That. Oh, if he, if he was, though, he'd be wearing uh, overalls with some paint on his face. And then they would, uh, yes. they would give him a man bun. Instead of taking his hair mm-hmm. out of a ponytail, they'd give him a mm-hmm. man bun. And then he'd, you know... They play some Sixpence on the Richer, and we'd all be having a great time. <laughs> wow, a Sixpence on the Richer. That was a moment. <sighs> Wasn't it? <laughs> they only had that one song, right? Kiss Me? They also had, um, uh, what's it called? It's like, hey now, hey now, don't, oh, don't dream it's over. They don't had dream a, it's over, yeah. Their remake of that was all over the place, too. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening to the Sixpence on the Richer <laughs> podcast. Mini concert. Behind the scenes. <laughs> Behind the music. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we hear that they had a fight the night before, and so they circle back with him because, you know, he said he left her house at a way different time and hadn't seen her. And he said, I'm sorry, I lied. I just knew it would look bad. And, you know, I still loved her. I wouldn't do anything to her. She was my biggest supporter. And I left her house at 8 a.m. the morning she died after breakfast, and everything was fine. So. I lied, but I'm, you know, not, I'm a liar, not a murderer. Mm-hmm. The detectives continue to wonder what the real story is between these two, and then they go to search her apartment for clues, and they find out that she has some sort of liquidation letter from the bank. And they're like, all right, that's mm-hmm. weird. So she's got some sort of letter from the bank saying they want to liquidate these, or d- does she want to do that? So they go to the bank, and the banker tells them she's got, like, $20 million, And they manage all of it for her. And if they want any details, they should talk to her attorney because he's basically like the liaison between her and the bank. So they go to the attorney whose name is Doyle. I forgot his first name. Maybe it's Peter. But anyway, his last name is Doyle. That's what I call in my notes. Uh, He is standing in a law office that you could tell is nice because it looks like every commercial for a lawyer you've seen on TV. Yep. (laughs) It's got like, you know... Every edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica twice behind him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he says that she's been a client with him for a long time, Barbara, that is, and she's also a friend. And he admits that her relationship with Stephen was a little weird. Um, but, you know, it seemed on the up and up. And in her will, her daughter Carol is essentially getting everything except for $2 million set aside for Stephen. So they're like, ooh. Motive. Motive, yep. 
They bring him into the station for interrogation finally, and he holds firm that he's innocent. What he is guilty of is having a trapper keeper print on his tie to the extreme. <laughs> it's like one of the opening scenes from the Save by the Bell theme song, mm-hmm, the worst. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in a really weird way from the combo they have with him, they learn that Carol isn't married anymore, and she's been divorced for a really long time, which makes them think, oh, well, she was with her husband before, um, that guy Douglas, and they find out that that's actually her ex, and they're just like, that's weird that he would be just popping back yeah. up. Oh, so they in interrogation, they have him in there, the Carol's husband, uh, what did I just say his name was, Stuart? Douglas, Douglas. Douglas, yeah. He's the son-in-law of the yeah. dead woman. So he's in there, and he says, yes, we're divorced, but it's only on paper. It's only a formality because my mother-in-law, may she rest in peace, uh, did not approve of me. And that Carol is in a, between a rock and a hard place because her mother was the trustee for all of the money that's owed to her. And so she had a choice to make. She could either divorce him and keep the money or vice versa. So – she got both, you know? She just yeah. <laughs> divorced They did him. a sham divorce. Exactly. So it's only a divorce on paper. And now we're made to wonder, maybe Barbara found out about this arrangement. Um, maybe she was going to take Carol out of the will, and this gives them both motive now. So they just had to dig deeper with the lawyer, who admits that Barbara was very controlling with her money. She did not approve of Douglas. Um, but where they're trying to head, they're basically barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. He says, instead, you should know the only friction between Carol and her mother had to do with the fact that she didn't like basically her mom being a sugar mama to Stephen. And he's just <laughs> sucking her dry. So they go to Carol's place and she admits it. She says, I didn't like it. No. And she had even found checks that her mom had written to pay off Stephen's professional debts. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of Dirty John, that f- the first season. Like that guy who was yeah. just like taking everything from somebody. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, for sure. So Briscoe and Logan then check with the like main debtor for Stephen's insurmountable debt. Um, and he says that, yeah, he still owes me six digits. Um, and if he doesn't get a check soon, he's going to be basically sending bounty hunters after all of his shit. Yeah. So they're like, all right, well, something's going on. So they go to check with his former employer. Um, she's like a sales lady or a manager of some mm-hmm. sort. And uh, she says that he was one of the best salespeople she ever had, and he was also her lover, it seems. She's also over 60, so they're like, oh, there's a type. He goes for older ladies. Yeah. And it turns out he does have an M.O. because he also robbed her of over $30,000 by the end of their relationship. Yes. They bring this to Captain Cragen and also Robinette, and they say, we need something more specific, linking him to the crime scene at least. And uh, they find out in this scene miraculously from a phone call that comes in as they're talking about it that the murder weapon, while it was wiped clean and had no prints on it, the other knives in the house and in the drawer right next to it had prints, and they match their suspect, Steve. Mm-hmm. So Robinette's like, okay, I guess that's enough. Fine. And they arrest him and his hair. <laughs> Schiff tells Stone that unless the guy confesses to plead him out, because this case is full of goose eggs, they love yeah. reference. They like to love reference like the number zero in as many ways as they can. Uh-huh. We're Zip. At, 
Zilch. We're Zilch. At, we're at square negative one. <laughs> Stone and Robinette meet with Stephen and his attorney who are playing hardball until Stone reveals that he has a previous felony on his record from defrauding the woman we just met. And apparently mm-hmm. his lawyer did not know this. They take a break, and when they come back and meet again, she offers man two. Stone wants man one. They agree to man one with seven to 21 years as the sentencing. And as they do this, <laughs> the uh, defendant just goes, why are you doing this to me? Very <laughs> melodramatic. His acting was amiss oh, in this boy. whole episode. It was very annoying to watch. It was yeah. like a, someone moaning the whole time. <laughs> he was just like, it was like he was having a, an inconvenient day was yes. how he delivered all of his lines. Yeah, it was, it was not fun to watch. In a closed court, Stephen is attempting to take the plea, but he's having a hard time saying what he says is not true. So he has to say out loud that he stabbed and killed Barbara because um, he knows that this is the only way for him to plead out and get this better deal on jail time. Mm-hmm. Robinette can tell by the way he described it that it's BS, didn't match the crime scene. So in the next scene, Robinette is telling Stone how he feels about it. And he says that Steve's attorney is famous for pleading cases out. And she's lost the only few trials she's ever even taken to trial. And Stone is like, all right, well, you can follow up on it, you know. And so Robinette does. He goes to mm-hmm. visit her at work or at her office, and she's like, no take backsies. It's over. <laughs> um, and it turns out she doesn't have the time, she says, basically, to spend on any of her clients. She has so many. She can't, like, go through every single one. She's just getting through the day. Um, right. Yeah. So, And we also find out that this lazy attorney was actually referred to the defendant by Barbara's very professional attorney, uh, Doyle. And mm-hmm. you could tell there's a total difference between the type of lawyers these are. Her office is dingy with, like, fold-out furniture. Um, <laughs> and we remember the other one with the Britannica encyclopedias and clawfoot furniture, yeah. you know. They go check with this old coworker, the lawyer guy, Doyle, and his old boss. And we learn that the guy should have a lot of money coming his way from the being the executor of Barbara's will and trust. Right. Um, but he probably has that set up that way on purpose because he's in some serious debt, allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. And we find out from an, another scene where Robinette goes to get some hot goss from an alumni from the school that uh, Kevin Kevin Doyle went to. And uh, she basically tells them, like, he pretended to be upper crust and better than everybody. But then when it all came down to it, he, you know, comes from some ordinary roots and he was ashamed of it and he's you know trying to aspire to something he's not yeah and he'll basically like do anything to social climb or advance in life basically he is like the van camps in season one of new New york housewives (gasps) i loved them oh me too bring that back (laughs) that would be a trip um Robinette follows the money, which is always the way to go, I feel like, in in Law & Order. I mean, just follow the money from the beginning. We do that, and behold, we find out it's true. The guy is in some serious, serious debt. And what's worse is we now find out that Doyle's prints are all over the kitchen. Mm Mm-hmm. The next scene begins with a close-up of a uniformed man's ass walking across the screen. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I took notes on that. And then they are in court, and it's the DA's office versus Doyle. And we learn that the prints, um, you know, match him on the stand, but we don't, it doesn't mean so much because they could have been from a year ago. Then we also find out that Barbara trusted Doyle with all of her money and all of her dealings, and she had regular contact with him, and the daughter, Carol, is talking about this relationship they had and how she trusted him, and, you know, he took advantage, it seems like. And then on cross-examination, the defense basically raises some reasonable doubt. Maybe she was just really into him because he's great at his job. Yeah. <laughs> so it dawns on Stone from an off-comment that I don't even remember happening that Doyle and the previous defense attorney, the unethical lady who has no time, they went to school together. And so, right. like, they're like, ooh, he took – she took her friend's case against her friend's enemy. So – Let's go check this out. So they go to her office and they threaten her and she's cagey about everything. Or she's in the DA's office, I think. One or the other. Um, She says they're wrong about her and, you know, she's totally on the up and up, didn't do anything wrong. Stone basically says, like, it's your reputation against mine and we both know mine is better. So we're just going to charge you. And uh, she's like, okay, fine, fine. So she takes the stand under the condition she won't be charged and... On the stand, she says that she took the case because she thought it was like a favor she was getting from an old friend and maybe it would be, you know, financially smart to take. And um, Mm -hmm. when she found exculpatory evidence for her client, she was told by Doyle to keep her mouth shut and just take the plea and make make the money. And, um, you know, it made her uncomfortable, but he could sense it made her uncomfortable, so he panicked and told her she was ruining everything. And uh, the defense attorney attempts to, like, cast doubt on her testimony after that, saying, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're a liar. You just said on the stand that you're a liar, so why should we trust you now? Yeah. Then Doyle takes the stand, and Stone gets to cross-examine him, and he has a strategy. He is going to poke at Doyle's facade of wealth and prestige that's so important to him and expose him in the courtroom and show that he's classist and all of these things, which he does successfully. Um, you know, he gets him to admit, like, that he's sort of blue-collar, and he's, you know, living beyond his means, and he has a poor view of where he's from, and he's ashamed of it and kind of motivates what he does. And it hits him hard. You could tell he doesn't have anything to say. The next morning, in the next scene, we find out that Doyle is missing. He's not come to court. Mm-hmm. So they go to his place, and uh, they take Detectives Briscoe and Logan there as well, and they find him upstairs in the bathtub. He had died by suicide. And that is the end of the episode. Yep. Ooh. Great job. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Great job to both of us, really. We did it. <laughs> but mainly it. you. <laughs> um, well, great job, Matt. Um, listeners... <laughs> Matt and I did a little more shop talk, and we've decided that this episode is going to end here at this recap, and next episode, we are going to give you a true crime report, and it's going to be a really, really juicy one, so make sure to tune in for that. Yes, and thank you for being so understanding with us throughout (laughs) all of these hiccups that could come our way. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, I mean, it, we've been going on for approaching a year and a half, 
for this podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, we've only had like this is the first time that's happened. Yeah, that's I'm that's pretty impressive. We, yeah, we've never made a mistake up until we have been flawless and uh, have made no mistakes up until this. And point. you know what? We're we're still flawless. We're a beautiful disaster. <laughs> exactly. You're welcome. Hey, do you like free stuff? Well, this podcast is free, so you should subscribe to it. You should also rate and review it uh, because that helps other people find us. And uh, we have new episodes every week, so it's really worth checking out. That's right. And most people try a podcast because a friend recommends it or a colleague or a stranger. (laughs) So if you're enjoying our show, please tell a friend, tell a stranger safely tell the world that's right <laughs> yep and uh we love connecting with our listeners so send us an email at rippedheadlinespod at gmail.com and find us on instagram twitter and facebook at ripped headlines and if you'd like to learn more about us and find information about our show merch or our patreon which is now available check it out on our website rippedheadlinespod.com I sound like I was going to say something else. (laughs) Yeah, you ended on an uptick. Uh, Also, a percentage of our Patreon proceeds get donated to the Equal Justice Initiative. So by supporting us, you are also supporting positive change in the world. And thank you so much for listening to Rip from the Headlines, where you get the facts and some fiction. We will see you next time. And until then, stay out of the headlines. Bye. Bye.